Jets and Golden Knights rematching once again in a titanic battle to the death. Well, maybe not exactly death. What we did have, however, was a pitched fight between the Jets and Golden Knights from Vegas, one of their more recent rivals, you might say, especially after the Western Conference Finals of 2017-2018. Both teams, though, are a bit of a far cry from where they were a few seasons ago, and in tonight's game, you might wonder, well, what exactly transpired? We'll talk about Winnipeg's performance against one of their most recent rivals and also talk about the Jets if, in fact, they do decide to stand pat at the trade deadline and what it might mean for the team going forward. All this and more coming up on tonight's Locked On Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you're wondering who you're listening to, though, my name is Harrison Lee. I'm an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets for our official podcast Twitter handle. If you want to keep hearing my voice, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is 100% free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, I just really appreciate your support. Now, like I mentioned at the top of this episode, I wanted to talk about Jets versus Golden Knights, and then also talk about Winnipeg potentially standing pat. What will that look like when the trade deadline rolls up next week? So, uh, first things first, Winnipeg versus Vegas. Odd game, to be honest, a very strange game. I think it ultimately came down to the goaltending. So that's like the first main storyline. Vegas's goaltending for me was really poor. Uh, I think it might have started off with Lerner in net. And then um, I think the other goalie was named Logan Thompson. I'm not overly familiar with him. I want to say that he was a guy I recall getting like some kind of a contract over the past maybe a couple of months, but I don't know a lot about him. So yeah, their goaltending situation doesn't really seem great. And it's kind of funny because they try to dump Flurry, and now, you know, they they have a couple of goaltenders who are all right, but not exactly any uh, lead amazing starters. And the depth behind Lerner seems pretty thin, I would say. I don't know of any elite prospects that they've got waiting in the wings to eventually take over that role. And certainly in terms of pro-level goalies, not a lot to work with. So Vegas, in that position, they're a bit thin. And what also kind of stuck out for them was that they were defensively very scatterbrained. Uh, This is stuff that I more associate with the Jets usually. Poor turnovers, bad passes, um, a lot of missed assignments and reads, very chaotic puck handling. Just general sloppiness that I think Vegas really can't be super satisfied with. Uh, And it's kind of been a trend with them this year that in terms of like puck puck management, uh, defensive awareness, a lot of the usual stuff where they can kind of out-possess teams and drive offense to avoid exposing their back line. Well, they're not doing that as much this year, and the defense has been a lot worse than usual, so the goalie is getting shelled, not super surprising, but Lerner on the shots that he did surrender before he got pulled for Thompson, yeah, you just really can't allow some of the rebound chances and uh, some of the seeing eye shots that he got beat by to, you know, ultimately go through him. These are shots that, you know, on a normal day, Lerner would probably be 
at least somewhat expected to save. I mean, there were a couple of finishes that are just brilliant from Wheeler and Connor, but, you know, still from the angle that he was beat and the power that those shots had on them, it's it's not the best look to not even be close to it. For Hellebuck's part, I thought he was fine enough. I mean, he still conceded a few goals, uh, especially later in the game, once the Jets had like a 5-1 lead. It did seem like Winnipeg started stepping off the gas, and that's usually when this team runs into trouble, right? I was like, you know, 5-1 lead against Vegas when Vegas hasn't really been uh, super great up until that point at creating. You know, what's what's the real danger? And then, of course, you started finding out, because the Jets are the Jets, and if any team is an expert at blowing leads, it is Winnipeg. I have to be honest, they are masters of making life a lot harder for themselves than it needs to be. Aside from that, you know, the first half of the game, and really the, the general course of the game, at least in terms of, like, scoring chances and the general flow, it, it felt relatively even, I would say. Uh, maybe Vegas had a couple of better chances here and there, but, you know, the finishing talent for them, it, it's still a little, little bit limited. Uh, and when Hellebuck can make a couple of extra saves or the Jets are able to get that extra block while Vegas is is really struggling to find the back of the net, you know, it probably would have been enough to push the Jets through even without chasing Lerner. But, you know, the goaltending performances just being very poor for Vegas ultimately uh, secured what ended up being a nice, comfy win for the Jets. Is this a game that you would read a lot into uh, even with the you know, really high-end scoring line for the Jets? No, probably not. I, I think Vegas itself is not a particularly great opponent these days. The, the team of yore that kind of scared people, especially the first year or two in the NHL, that team isn't this team. Unfortunately for Vegas fans, they're finally starting to face what every NHL fan has to go through, which is your team not really being that great. And, and especially without Mark Stone, this team, it's uh, it's a little bit hard to watch at times. Now, it is still offensively potent, and I think that's important to note because later in the game, you know, things started getting a bit hairy, but at least for the first half, the Jets seemingly had the run on um, goal scoring. I can't believe we're saying this because Winnipeg has never really been a uh, high-end finishing team this season. The shooting percentage has definitely taken a nosedive. Uh, Winnipeg is among the worst finishers in the entire NHL, like bottom five, I would say, so for Winnipeg to rack up a 5-1 lead, very good, uh, very enjoyable, even if the method itself was kind of like mediocre. But, um, I, I mean, I'm going to try not to complain as much as humanly possible. I, I feel like I do that a lot because the Jets have this year given us some, you know, frustrating moments. And actually, there was an interesting comment somebody highlighted during a, uh, a you know, an intermission brief rinkside chat with Blake Wheeler and in a little bit we're going to talk about you know what I kind of got out of that uh, and you know any lingering thoughts from this Vegas game before we close out with some thoughts on the Jets standing pat at the trade deadline and not actually making any real moves to start selling assets before we go any further though I did want to tell you a little bit about Built Bar and why they're the best tasting protein bar on the market Best of all, if you are still clinging on to those New Year's resolutions, well, maybe Bilt Bar is your answer to keeping them. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your New Year's plans. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. 
Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Locked On Jets, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Before we get back to discussing Winnipeg versus Vegas and all of the trials and travails uh, contained within, I did want to spotlight a really cool upcoming live podcast that I think you really should be paying attention to. On Monday, March 21st at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, tune into Locked On Fantasy Hockey's live deadline reaction show to get all the on-ice, fantasy, and betting analysis you need from most Steel Rodon and Flip Livingston with appearances from our roster of local team experts. You'll also be able to catch our recorded show on the following Tuesday reacting to the Jets moves as well as any other moves that stand out because I'm sure sure this year is going to be rather crazy with a lot of the contenders looking to upgrade and some teams that frankly do need to sell. Now, back to thinking about the Jets versus the Knights. Uh, I actually did have one adjustment to make. For some reason, I kept saying it was Robin Lerner, but it was actually Brassois in net who got pulled. Uh, been a bit of a tough stretch for Laurent um, ever since uh, having to step into the starting role over the past week or so, a couple of weeks. He's he's um, had to carry on for Lerner, apparently. Robin actually just got put on IR, so the injury history he's had is seemingly catching up a little bit. But Brassois, you know, maybe leaving Winnipeg actually wasn't for the best. Grass isn't always greener when you go out that way, but he is, uh, you know, he is getting a decent raise, so I guess you really can't complain too much, and I'm sure living near Vegas is plenty fun. Aside from that, though, you know, the Jets, they more or less took care of business. Um, You know, in that second half, they did have that slip-up where maybe they were starting to let off the gas, allowing Vegas to maybe take a few extra shots. Funny enough, I don't know if Vegas actually had any goals that were in close. There was a graphic from the evening talking about how their net front offense is really poor, which... A couple of years ago, you would never imagine, but, you know, with Pete DeBoer under uh, the coaching, you know, mantle, I would say, he isn't really as interested in the kind of style of hockey that I think um, this team used to really play. DeBoer, for me, I'm not really a huge fan of his tactical approach. I thought that his Sharks team was just kind of like, eh, you know, mediocre, um, I kind of feel like he's in that middle-of-the-road category that, you know, coaches like John Hines and Peter Laviolette find themselves in. They can do enough with the team to maybe make the postseason or um, at least be a bit of a pest to play against. But other than that, you know, you're not really setting super high expectations once they make the playoffs. And I feel like Vegas is is backsliding a lot this year, so am I really impressed with this win for the Jets? Not particularly I feel like Winnipeg itself also kind of had maybe not the best performance out there. Uh, There were some sloppy turnovers, some occasionally silly penalties, but thanks to Bressois and Thompson not really having great nights in net, it didn't matter. Uh, The Jets ended up getting both points and doing so in mostly comfortable fashion. Now, one thing that did kind of come out of all of this there was a, a ringside chat with Blake Wheeler, and he mentioned, you know, a bit of an offhand comment about, you know, the, the Bronx cheers pissing some of the guys off. 
which I think, you know, some people are like, oh, you can't read too much into that. It's just a throwaway comment. But I don't really agree with that assessment. I, I think the Jets have mentioned before that they're very aware of fan sentiment. You know, Shifley talked about reading stuff that people have posted on Twitter about him, which 99% of it is please back check. So <laughs> I don't think that that has really changed in this game. But, um, you know, with what Wheeler said, I was kind of irritated by it just a little bit. I get that as pro athletes and professionals, it is frustrating to hear your fan base get irritated, right? There are things that the Jets and the players, more specifically, can't really control. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on there who don't really have a lot of say in their ice time and can only try their hardest, work as hard as they can to push for a bigger role and make an influence on this team. Where I kind of take issue with Wheeler's statement is that it does sort of imply the fans are more at fault than the players when really this organization has struggled to really find a winning recipe for many years. And every time it kind of comes down to it, it doesn't really feel like the players have accepted enough responsibility. Pierre-Luc Dubois is like the first one to come into this team where I feel like that's really not the case. Ehlers too. I think Ehlers has also been really clear headed about what he said um, and he's been very honest in his own assessment of his performances where he feels, you know, I made a really stupid mistake and I feel like it cost us the game. A lot of the uh, more veteran players and stuff, especially the guys who are considered leaders, I don't really see them doing that as much. Either they're happy with the status quo, they don't really know how to express their frustrations, um, they think things will eventually break, I don't know what it is, but... They seemingly avoid ever really mentioning themselves as having contributed to the problem, which I, I find a bit frustrating. I feel like if your top players are struggling and they're doing so after asking for more ice time and wanting to be the lead role players on this team, you know, at some point you're going to have to ask yourself as a player, am I really making the best choices and giving my team the, the best chance to win every night? And I think in a lot of ways... Wheeler wants to do more. He wants to be that guy. He wants to be the elite playmaker, the captain on the ice, but his body just can't really keep up like it used to. We've seen some like more vintage Wheeler moments here and there in flashes, but overall, his game has definitely fallen off, and when you see his defensive impacts, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, Blake is just not really at that level anymore, even if he still has a pretty good set of hands, and occasionally we'll see that classic you know, net front slot drive. So, with Wheeler, I get his frustration, but I think he also has to understand the fans have been waiting a long time for this team to start turning a corner, and we basically got one season of the Jets being really relevant as contenders, and after that, it's just been a downward slide, and there's not really been a lot of accountability from anyone in the team about what has gone wrong and how to, to set things right. So I'm curious to know how the fan base has reacted to it. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are like, it's not that big of a deal, it's just Wheeler responding to toxicity or whatever. But I'm looking at this team, man, and seeing the performances out there, the previous statements, all of these factors kind of coming together, and I'm not 100% sure that it is just a one-off little offhand comment. There might be a little bit more than you're letting on. Now, one thing that is curious to know is if the players really feel that standing pat is the best decision, and I'll talk about what may happen if the Jets don't make moves at the deadline in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
We are closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on the rumors surrounding the Jets maybe standing pat at the trade deadline. Now, you know my thoughts on this. I think it's a mistake. Uh, I've talked about it at length that the Jets need to be sellers. It's been my firm belief for several months. Um, You know, I know a lot of people were like, oh, you got to give this team time. You have to give Dave Lowry time. But I saw, at least from like my own thoughts about where this team was going, I, I didn't really see them being a real playoff contender. And I think that's going to be the case whether they make the postseason race or not. If the Jets fall out, you know, I think that's fine. I think Winnipeg should be more focused on building for the future and maybe looking around the league and grabbing some young talents that could help this next-gen core. But the idea that Winnipeg doesn't want to let Andrew Kopp go, I don't really understand unless they're trying to resign him. Which, if that is the case, I don't know if I really love that either. Uh, You know, I, I would imagine that Andrew's probably looking for anywhere from four to five, maybe even five and a half million at the top end. Um, Four to five seasons probably would make a lot of sense. If that's what Andrew wants, I don't know if the Jets would be the best team to sign him. I, I would imagine him actually going to free agency and being pretty hotly contested. And so if that's the case, then the Jets would be basically losing cop for free on a playoff run that's not really productive and I would, I would not really imagine the Jets advancing very far. You know, Hellebuck struggling this year a little bit more than usual, which, don't get me wrong, still a top 10 goalie in the league, but by his standards, he's taken a step back. If he's not able to cover for all of Winnipeg's mistakes in the playoffs, that's going to be a problem. This team has basically coasted by on Hellebuck's shoulders for many seasons now, and I don't really see that changing if it comes to the playoffs. Winnipeg would have to expect him to be at his very best, and I don't know that we've really seen that from him recently, Uh, and and it's not like he's been bad. Again, I think that's important to understand. He is still, on the whole, playing very well, but the past month or two, uh, the decline has definitely been notable, and I do kind of worry if it's like a continuing trend into the rest of the season. The Jets are going to have to score like seven goals a game, so... Yeah, I I think for me, standing pat is a mistake, and I would also be displeased if they don't start seeking out some of the more creative trade opportunities. You know, the Jets kind of have to overhaul this roster. If they go into next year with what they've got, they're making a huge mistake. I, I really feel like, you know, just from what we've seen with this team and occasionally the passiveness with which they approach roster management and upgrades... If they stand pat again, it's not going to be surprising, but I will be super disappointed, and I feel like they're going to be missing chances here to make the Jets a genuine team to be worried about next season. Winnipeg this year, I don't really feel scares all that many opponents. Uh, There's only a few bad teams out there who might not really enjoy playing Winnipeg, but other than that, you know, would other decent teams actually be that nervous? I don't know. You know, you've seen Colorado come back from a 3-0 deficit or whatever. You saw the Lightning almost do the same. So for the Jets, I don't really understand this idea of of, of standing pat and holding the line. I, I think the main theory of them wanting the playoff revenue is probably the, the most likely scenario because, uh, you know, I get it. They've been hurting financially for a while now, relatively speaking, uh, especially with all of the COVID restrictions and the team's own performance. So if ownership is trying to push for it, I I do get it. I just feel like if you're also looking at the long-term picture of this team, this is not really the best way to go. And that's especially true if they also decide to keep guys like Stastny and Bolu on board. I like Stastny a lot. I think he's a very good player. 
but I would rather uh, he get traded, especially at the deadline where he can be useful to somebody else because, you know, he's like, what, 36? And he's not really somebody that I want the team to resign. I think he's played his role for the Jets. I think he's done it admirably, and I think it's time for him to move on. So I'd be okay with that scenario. Uh, I don't really want to see the Jets trying to retain guys like this, uh, especially players who are probably a lot closer to retirement than they are uh, an extension. And with Bowie, whatever value you could acquire in the trade market, I think you really have to pursue. He's blocking another roster spot for a younger player to step in, and that for me is not acceptable. Uh, this defense already isn't that good, but for the continued development of players like Heinle to be stalled out because a 7th D is now taking over like a third pairing spot, I, I just don't really understand that. You know, Heinle needs to be developed by playing at the NHL level. He's not going to learn this game sitting in the press box, and it's only going to make him a lot more frustrated. If he if he starts to push for like a trade, you know, I can't say I would ever be shocked by it. So let's just hope for gold stars and that the Jets don't really come into these uh situations expecting just to hold the status quo but by the same token i uh, i don't put a lot of faith in it these days i'd be curious to know your thoughts on the rumors though do you want the jets to stand pat or would you much rather them be sellers like a lot of us are probably asking for be sure to let me know at hl living loco and at lo underscore winnipeg jets on twitter for tonight's podcast though that is going to be all the time that we have thank you for making locked on jets your first listen of the day every day be sure to make your second listen locked on fantasy hockey Hosts Steel Rodant and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And again, don't forget their live trade deadline show at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Monday the 21st. Again, thanks so much for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!